Hey, Daniel. Hi, Jamie. How are you this week? I'm great. You know our theme song? Yeah. It's James Dempsey and the Breakpoints, and in a way, it reminds me of when you and I met. That is awesome. Our theme this month is music memories. You know, you hear a song, and it reminds you of a certain time or a place or smell, that sort of thing. That is what this challenge is all about. It's Tiny Challenges. I'm Daniel Steinberg. I'm Jamie Newberry. This is Season 1, Episode 3, Music Memories, The Challenge. This episode is brought to you by Karma Go. We both have a lot of memories that are associated with music. So many. And in fact, you've written a bit about this. Last year, I did this tweet sometime in early January where I'd heard an Air Supply song on the radio, and I tweeted that it reminded me of dancing with my little sister um, when we were young. And you responded to the tweet with a link to a blog post you had done about music wormholes. Do you remember that? Yeah, I find when I hear music, it takes me back, like you and your sister, to a very specific time where I can see very specific details, the people I was with. It's, it's just very visceral to me. Same thing. You know, I had started doing monthly challenges, and so I decided after our conversation and after reading your blog post um, of your music memory that I would make a, a monthly challenge out of it last year. And so I did. And when I hit day 11, I had this memory of a, a band called The Dead Milkmen. And our guest is Dean Sabatino, who's the drummer from the Dead Milkmen. One of the things that I was allowed to do when I was a kid, and I I had a little transistor radio that had a built-in speaker to it, and my parents let me listen to the radio as I was falling asleep. This would have been in early grade school. You know, I just remember the tinny sound of the little three-inch speaker. might have even been AM radio for all I know. I, you know, I can remember my childhood bedroom that way. I remember being in third grade and we were on uh, sabbatical. My father's a college professor and we were on sabbatical to California and my parents gave me a little transistor radio. And in a way, it was a way of taking my home with me when we were all the way across the country. And I remember my brother and sister coming to my room and we'd play the radio and hang out and do what little kids do when they're listening to music on the radio. I love that so much. I I didn't have the transistor radio experience, but I did have... um, a record player that, and my brother had given me my first, um, well, I had an eight track player as well. I had a portable eight track player and he gave me my first eight track tapes. I had uh, Blondie, which was cool. And then my mom let me buy one at the store and I got Sesame Street Disco. I was probably five years old, mind you. And I also got Sean Cassidy. (laughs) Sesame Street Disco was the first record you bought yourself? It was the first eight track. And then my first record, my first actual record that I paid my own money for was a 45. It was the single of I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett. Oh, wow. But that's all because of my brother. My brother was a great musical influence for me. Dean talks about that, too, that it often helps to have older people around. I've always hung out with 
older kids, it seemed when I was a kid. I had a, a, a good friend who I still talk to once a week who introduced me to all kinds of interesting music when I met him in ninth grade. I think he was a junior or senior. Yeah, I, I was very much the same. You know, my brother was four years older than me, and he hung out with older people as well. Music influences that come from people who are older than you who have that experience of, of loving and appreciating music. When I was a kid, we'd find out about new bands often by what was on TV. And so not American Bandstand, but we'd stay up to see who was the musical guest on Saturday Night Live. In the early days, at least, had really good taste for some of the new artists. That's interesting because I'd asked Dean for some of his music memories, and he shared a memory of Saturday Night Live. Elvis Costello was on like 1977 or so, or 78. He came on the show and he started out a song. I think he was playing um, a song called Less Than Zero off his first record. And a couple of measures in, he just stopped the band. And this was on live TV on Saturday Night Live. And I remember sitting with my friend Mike and I were just kind of like, our jaws dropped and we're watching live television. And this guy just stops the band and said, you know, this song doesn't mean anything here. And they launched into another song. And the song was Radio Radio. I remember sitting in my friend Mike's living room with plush carpet and the wood paneling on the walls. And, you know, being, I guess it was a... Uh, a sophomore in high school, and, we, and he and I had been sort of experimenting with playing music together, and punk rock was sort of just getting started, and we thought, wow, this is, this is pretty punk rock. One of the reasons I loved having the conversation with Dean is, you know, we, there's you and I, and we're, we're people who are consumers of music. We have music memories from that perspective. And then talking to someone like Dean, who is a musician, who makes music for a living, who has different perspective of music memories. Some of his music memories was for his own music. So, for example, he remembers playing music on MTV himself. I guess our most popular song was Punk Rock Girl. And um, we got asked to play on Club MTV with Downtown Julie Brown. We got some serious pressure from the record company to do it, and we weren't that into it. But, you know, we, we tried to convince them, well, we'll do it if we can play live. And they said, no, everybody lip syncs because they have to edit the show together. So we made a list of demands and we said, you know, we want, uh, I want a big drum kit and we want Marshall Stack for the guitar player. And because our singer Rodney didn't even sing on the song, he asked for a tuba. He was just going to wander around the stage playing the tuba and uh, our bass player had a cardboard box that he stuck his his cable into uh, and he wrote bass amp on it with a magic marker so you didn't grow up with mtv even though you grew up in this country correct i grew up with uh, much music which was canada's version of mtv <laughs> so so it was cool they played a lot of stuff like depeche mode and the cure and morrissey which was awesome <laughs> it's a little little strange but i think it gave me a little bit of diversity i would have not otherwise had in my very small rural nevada town how do your kids discover music so with with my older one she gets a lot of music you know she learns about a lot of music through school of rock which I think is just amazing. Um, she's doing an Iron Maiden show this weekend. She's played Metallica. She did Metallica camp last summer. So School of Rock exposes her to a lot of stuff, but then she also gets a lot of the more like pop culture music influence at school. So for songs that your eldest daughter plays at School of Rock, 
you've got almost a dual memory. You remember the original band and you might have a, a memory link to that, but now your new musical memory is as a proud mom watching your daughter on stage play this. Play this music that I love from my childhood when I was, you know, younger than her. So yeah, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. And I love the idea of, you know, I'm I'm always curious, like, do we how do we even generate a new music memory? You know, is it a conscious effort? That was something I talked to Dean about. Is it a conscious effort or and and he spoke about the different ways we experience music. People listen to music in different ways now. You know, back then you would buy an album and you would sit down in front of your stereo and you would play the album, you know, and you would like look at the album artwork and you would actively listen to the song, you listen to the music. Whereas I think today, you know, a lot of people have music on in the background doing everything that they do, driving in the car. and It's le- much less active and more passive listening. So I think people do have to make a conscious effort when they listen to music to, to you know, hear the nuance and, and lock the song into their head. I remember when I was in college, there was there were friends of mine that had this huge record collection. And when we were over there, there'd be this game where they'd pass around the list of, of albums they had and you'd agree on the next album to play, and then the next person would sort of start talking about, but which side? And so it was a very communal deciding on what the playlist would be for the group for the night. And I just don't think that we do that. We just let iTunes pick the next song for us or Pandora. So I'm really excited about this month's challenge, and I can't wait to talk more about what it is. And we'll do that after this episode's sponsor, Karma Go. Jamie, what's the big idea of Karma Go? It was started with one simple idea. Everyone should be able to get online everywhere they go. Let me elaborate just a little bit. It's a pocket-sized device that lets you bring Wi-Fi with you when you're on the go. I think something's really cool about it is that you get to choose how you want to pay for the data. You can either pay as you go or you can pay monthly. There's no contract, no fine print, none of that business. But what I think might be the coolest thing, the very, very best part, is it's made for sharing. What do you mean made for sharing? You can share your connection with the people around you and get free data just for sharing. So that's the the good karma part of it. That's the good karma part of it. It's super cool, right? Karma Go is at yourkarma.com. And we'll leave a link to that in the liner notes. This month, we're going retro with album liner notes. That's right. So you've done something different with the challenge this month. You've split it into different levels where people can participate. Let me talk about why and how that came about. We have a Slack channel where there's about, I want to say 20 people right now. So it's very small, but growing. And um, in the Slack channel, we talk about like how the challenges are going and what people need to stay motivated and how they're doing and all of those sorts of things. And some feedback came back through January that some folks were struggling without sort of um, like a daily deliverable. So if you're not posting it online or if you've come up with your own challenge, sometimes it's a little more challenging to do the tiny challenge if you don't have a daily deliverable. So what I did is I went through and I thought, you know what, everybody's life is different. Everybody's in a different spot. So let's frame a challenge, like frame one specific challenge, which is the music memories, 
And then let's let's create sizes so that you can choose what participation level of tiny challenges actually works for your life and where you're at. So I don't want to overwhelm anybody. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be motivating. And, you know, if you're finding that it's a really a struggle and you're dropping days, you've taken on a challenge that's too big. And, and that's really the bottom line of it. So I've created some options here. And that's what I would love to to frame for the music memories. And this is for people that need that sort of structure. But, you know, anytime you drop off, come back whenever you can, come back whenever you want. And then there's the other side of it, which is if it's getting to be a drudgery because you're doing it every day and you need a break, take a break. There's a story that, that Dean told you that I really like. You know, we listen to bands playing our favorite song as part of their set. We think, they must love this. And he tells this story about being so sick of this song that he's playing in his last show ever. And the band didn't end up breaking up. They ended up taking a break. And when he comes back, now he's refreshed and he looks forward to playing this song. We were ready to, to kind of call it quits or take a hiatus. It ended up being a hiatus in uh, 1994. We played, I guess our last show in, in Philadelphia. And I remember being on stage and we were playing our set and we were playing the song Bitch and Camaro. And I remember thinking to myself, this is great. This is the last time I have to play this stupid song. I am so tired of playing this stupid song. I've been playing it for like, you know, uh, 12 years and I was ready to be done with it. And um, of course that didn't last long. I mean, we're playing, we're back playing again. And we play that, you know, every every set we play now, we play it. And it's fun again to play. So this is kind of funny. So you need to take time now and then to, to refresh yourself. This has been Tiny Challenges. I'm Daniel Steinberg. I'm Jamie Newberry. This episode is brought to you by Karma Go. Thanks to Dean Sabatino, drummer for the Dead Milkmen, for taking time to talk to Jamie for this episode. And thanks to James Dempsey and the Breakpoints for providing the original music. 